So, I would like to welcome everybody who is going to uh, listen to this class. It's uh, Sunday, June 16th, 2019. And uh, this is live from Los Angeles. So we'll begin by chanting uh, the mantra for the Bhagavatam. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya so, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Today we begin First Canto, Chapter 2. And as we will see, uh, Sutta Goswami, in his, you could say, introductory remarks, sets an ideal example of Vaishnava etiquette, of how one should approach the Bhagavatam. So we'll go to those verses now. Uh, actually, uh, in this second chapter of the Bhagavatam, it begins with Vyasa speaking, Vyasa Uvacha, Iti samprasna sanghristo vipranam romaharshani pratipuja lachaste sham pravaktum upachakrame. So Vyasa said, Iti. E.T. in Sanskrit uh, ends a quotation. So E.T. really refers back to chapter one that uh, all the statements made by the sages headed by Shonaka at Naimisharanya. And so E.T. thus, samprasna sanghristo, uh, thus being, Prabhupada translates sanghrishta, perfectly satisfied. Hrishta really means, uh, it can mean excited, it can mean sort of thrilled or inspired. Uh, for example, in the Bhagavad Gita, when Krishna says we should be free of lamentation and sort of material excitement, it, often the word harsha is used. So this is the same word as harsha. Here it doesn't have any material sense. It means sort of spiritual excitement, spiritual, a spiritual thrill. For example, when the hairs are standing on end, that's called Roma Harshana. Aroma means hair, so Roma Harshana, like stare, when your hair stands on end, becomes excited. So Hrishta has that sense of being uh, enthused or excited or encouraged by something. And then we have the prefix sum, which means, it can mean together, as in Sankirtan, for example. And so it has a sense of completely, like, like everything included. So Sanghrishta, Sutta Goswami is sanghrishta, he's fully enthused, enlivened by some prashna. Prashna means question. So the prefix some, the questions were some, some prashna, and then Sutta's emotional response to those questions was sanghrishta. So after these uh, complete questions, Sutta is completely enlivened. 
so that that's how it begins vyasuvacha iti samprashna sangrishto vipranang romaharshani so uh, then romaharshani means the son of romaharshana as we know lord balaram killed romaharshana because he uh, became too proud and disrespected Balaram, and so Balaram kind of gave him a, a verminical execution with a blade of kusha grass. So um, now Romaharshini, the son, Sutta, Sutta is actually a title. Vyas is also a title. Vyas means like the editor, and and Sutta means the speaker. So Romaharshini, uh, Pratipuja. Prati in Sanskrit means counter. Uh, in other words, Prati Puja, honoring them in return. The sages honored Sutta, and then he, it is said, Prati Puja, he honored them back. He honored them in return. Just like in yoga, the, uh, the fifth stage of Ashtanga Yoga is uh, Pratyahara where you pull the senses back from the external objects. So Prati and so Prati Puja, he honored them back. He honored them in return. And specifically, uh, Vachaste Shang, he honored their words. He honored what they said. Uh, you may not be able to judge someone by their appearance, how they're dressed. We may be mistaken. Uh, but when someone speaks, then you can quickly see their actual level of culture, of education, and what their intention is. So, so Sutta here is honoring back, returning the honor uh, of the sages, honoring their words, actually. He's honoring the sages by honoring what they said. Just like we honor Prabhupada by honoring what he said. So honoring the words of those sages, Pravaktum Upachakrame, he began to speak. And uh, <clears throat> even the word Pravaktum is interesting. Vaktum is just the infinitive of Vach, as we have in English, voice or vocal. Those are all connected to Sanskrit uh, Vach or Vak or Vach, English again, vocal, voice, and so on. And so Vaktum means to speak, it's the infinitive. And then Pravaktum means really like to speak forth, really to, it, it, it makes it more clear that he's going to really give a discourse now. It's not merely speaking, you could say anything, like what time is it or how are you, but he's going to really now lecture. Is going to speak uh, on a topic, and so therefore it said pravaktum upachakrame. So every word is actually interesting. So then he began to speak after honoring their questions. So Sutu Vacha, number verse two, Sutta said, Yang prabrajanta manupetam apeta krityam dvaipayano virahakatara ajuhava. So Dvaipayana is Vyasa, Veda Vyasa. Dvipa is island, just like Navadvipa, nine islands. And so Dvaipayana is one who is born on an island, in this case in the Jamuna River. That's the story of Vyasa's birth. 
So being born on a Dwipa, an island, he's called Dwipayana. And so his son, Shuka, Prabhrajantam, was leaving, was going away, Anupetam, and he hadn't gone to school. Anupetam means someone that hasn't gone to school. He didn't study. Parents, they want their children to go to school and learn. But Sukha, Anupetam, hadn't gone to school. Apetakrityam, and he put aside all the regular duties of a child growing up, all the religious duties, the educational duties. He just put them all aside, and he was simply leaving. And so Dvaipayana, Vidahakatara, who was afflicted with separation. And, you know, my son was just born and now I'm losing him. So Ajuhava, he called to him. He called to his son to call him back. And he said, Putra, Putreti, which means, he said, son, my son. And Tanmayataya Taravo Binedus. It was only the trees that really in a sense, absorbed that sound. Shuka didn't hear it, didn't, at least he, he just kept going. But it was the trees that sort of accepted the sound and then echoed it back to the father. So it's kind of, it's a very poetic thing. No one answered him but the trees echoing back his cry of my son. So putreti tanmayataya taravo, taravo means the trees, taru, I call it taru. Taravo binedus, the trees echoed back his cry. So Sutta says, tongue to him, in other words, his guru, Sukha, to him, Sarva Bhuta Hridayang, who, who enters the heart of every creature. Sukha, of course, is not God, he's not the super soul, but his beautiful speaking, his Bhagavatam can enter the heart of all creatures. Sarva Bhuta Hridayang, Mooning to that wise sage, Anadosmi. Uh, literally, I am bowed. I am bowed to that sage. I bow to that sage. Or translator, I offer obeisances. Ah, it's interesting because Nato, Natosmi, like Namaha. Nama means we say obeisances in this con. Uh, nama, bow. And then nato means bowed. One is bowed, and then anatos me. It's sort of more dramatic that I am really bowing down to him. So then the next verse. So, so what does Sutta do? He's sitting there on the Vyasasana. The sages have honored him. They've said, you are a great scholar. You know all these things. Please explain to us. You should teach us because teachers should explain advanced knowledge to affectionate, devoted students, and that's what we are. So they've praised him in many ways, and then he honored them in return, Pratipuja. He honored their words in return. So having first respectfully accepted their request, he immediately offers obeisances to his guru, Shuka. And now in the next verse, he's going to again offer obeisances to his guru and glorify him. He says, Yakswanu Bhava Makila Shuti Sadam Ekam. Adhyatmadipam Atitir Shatang Tamon Dang Sangsari Nang Karuna Yaha Purana Guhyam Tam Vyasa Sunum Upayami 
Guru Muni Nam. So, very poetic verse. If uh, For those who don't know Sanskrit, it's uh, very beautifully composed. It's a very elegant verse. And uh, so literally it means that to that sage who um, karunaya, out of mercy, mercifully, uh, Aha spoke Purana Guhyam, this advanced Purana, this most advanced Purana. It said Guhyam, often translated confidential, but it has a sense also of being advanced, like this is the advanced course. So Purana Guhyam, this advanced, this confidential Purana, he spoke it, uh, and what he spoke was Swanubhavam, his own realization. He was speaking the Bhagavatam, and he was speaking what he himself had, had fully realized. Anubhava means experience, experience, Anubhava. And uh, Swa means one's own. It was his own experience. He had personally realized it. And this Bhagavatam, which is Akila Shruti Saram, uh, Ekam, the one Saram, essence of all the Vedas, Akila Shruti. Of all the Vedas, this is the one true essence. And Sutta spoke this, and he spoke his own realization. He had personally experienced this most advanced knowledge. And this knowledge is Adhyatma Deepam, a transcendental light or a transcendental lamp. Deepa, Adhyatma Deepam. And who is it for? It is for the sansaris. Sansara, uh, of course, is material existence rotating in so many births and deaths as we now have the pleasure of doing. And so sansari is one who is engaged in that sansara. And so for those sansari nam, for those trapped in sansara and but who desire to cross over this um, literally tamo and dumb, this literally this this blindness, this darkness, the blindness of darkness, because you know everyone's blind when there's no light, and so for those who want to cross over this darkness, this blindness of material life, and, and those who are trapped in birth and death, cycles of birth and death, for them, out of mercy, Shuka spoke this one transcendental lamp, this light, which is the essence of all the Vedas, and which he had personally realized and experienced. And this, which is Purana Guyam, the most advanced, confidential of the Puranas, therefore tongue to him, to him, uh, Vyasa Sunum, Vyasa's son, Upayami, which Prabhupada says, I offer obeisances. Uh, literally it means, Upa means near, Yami means I go, so literally, I go near, in other words, I approach. I approach uh, Gurum, 
the guru, Muninam, the guru of sages. So in Sanskrit, there, there are words like upayami, literally to go near, which, which are translated to surrender, to offer obeisances. Another very common word, which is translated as to surrender, which literally means to approach, is uh, prapadyate, like bahunam, janmanam, ante, jnanavan, mam, prapadyate, or sarvadharmang, parityaja, mam, ekam, well, that's a different one, sorry. Anyway, but uh, so often these words, which literally mean to approach, because as Prabhupada said, if you approach the sun, you become fire. If you don't want to become fire, you, then you don't approach the sun. So when you approach a great soul consciously, and you know this is a great soul, then of course you have to behave properly. If we actually are civilized and we understand things, then when we approach, a great soul, we have to behave properly and not to speak of approaching Krishna. When we approach God, we have to act accordingly. And so therefore to approach someone is sometimes is translated as to surrender or to offer obeisances, literally to approach. So I approach that son of the ass who is the guru of sages and who mercifully spoke this Bhagavatam and so on. So it, it, it's a very beautiful, very poetic Sanskrit verse in which Sutta is bowing to his guru. So having offered, having thanked the sages and honored them, having uh, glorified his own guru with two very beautiful verses, then he says, Narayanam Namaskritya, having made literally made my bows to Narayan Narang Chaiva Narotamam and to Nara and to the man <laughs> to the man uh, because in this case of course it refers to Nara Narayan. Nara Narayan is a twin incarnation where Arjuna appeared as Nara as a human being and of course the Lord Narayan came as the great sage of that name. I mean, it's him, it's God, it's Narayan. So he's offering obeisances to Narayan, Narayanam Namaskritya, making my bows to Narayan, Narang Chaiva, and certainly to Nara, who is the best of men, Narotamam, Devin Saraswati Vyasam, and to the goddess Devi, translated here as the goddess. Uh, well, not translated here, Saraswati, to the goddess of learning, Devin Saraswati, Vyasam, and to Vyasa, having made, literally made vows to all of them, uh, Tato, then, Jaya let Jaya be uttered, be recited. And Jaya literally, of course, means victory. Prabhupada translates it here as um the very means of conquest so let let victory be recited so in the sense that if you hear the bhagavatam seriously and try to practice it you will be victorious your life will be a victory and therefore it's called victory jayam jayam so sutta also says that so after 
honoring the sages, two exquisite verses to his guru, and then offering obeisances to uh, Nara Narayana, to the goddess Saraswati and Vyasa. Then he says, now let victory be uttered. And then he returns to the sages. Having said that, he again directly addresses the sages who are sitting there before him. And he says, Munia, O sages, Sadhu Prishtoham, uh, Bhavadbir, Loka Mangalam. Uh, I have been questioned by you, and he, re he uses, interestingly, the respectful form of you, just like in Spanish you can say uh, tu, which is familiar you, or usted. In German, it's du and z, and in Italian, it's tu and le. Uh, in French, it's uh, tu and uh, vu. So many languages, there is a, and even in Hindi, of course, and in Bengali, they have a respectful form of you. So here we have the respectful form, Bhavadbir, by all of you, by you, in the plural, I, O oh sages, I have been sadhu, Prishta. I have been questioned sadhu. Sadhu here is an adverb, which, which means, uh, Prabhupada translates it, this is relevant, sadhu, as an adverb means like excellently, very well done. So I've been, I've been uh, excellently or uh, properly or very well questioned by you, O sages, Bhavadbir, Loka Mangalam, for the welfare of the world. We have Mangala Artik, and as we know, it means the Artik which makes your day auspicious. So Mangala means auspiciousness. And so loka mangalam, this is for the welfare of the world. So it's it's very fitting, it's very good that you question me the way you did because it's for the welfare of the world. Jetkrita Krishna Samprasno. And thereby uh, thorough Krishna questions were made because it is this, and uh, so again we have the word sum. The first verse of this uh, chapter was So some prashna, proper questions, complete questions, the right questions. And so the right questions were asked about Krishna. Krishna some prashna was done. And Jaina by which and by, by this questioning about Krishna, uh, atma, the soul, suprasidati, is well satisfied, literally. Uh, prasidati is the verb, the noun from this verb, of course, is prasada, you know, like what we eat. Grace or mercy, prasada. And so here we have the verb prasidati, which means to be graced, in the sense of to be truly satisfied. Prabhupada translates it completely pleased. And su means very or well. So by which the soul is well satisfied, well pleased, graced, fully graced. So he's uh, congratulating and thanking the sages for asking him not just, you know, what time is it or what's the weather or, you know, what's the political news, but really talking about Krishna. And then he said, now after all that, so that's five verses. Now verse six, 
he's going to really, he's going to start his discourse. So Sutta has taken five verses to honor, sincerely honor the Vaishnava etiquette to God, to the sages, to the goddess Saraswati, to Vyasa, Naranarayan. So in five verses, he has completely observed in an, in an exemplary way Vaishnava etiquette, and now he's actually going to start teaching. Of course, I mean, his previous verses were instructive, but now he's going to begin directly his discourse in reply to the sage's questions. And so he says, Savai pung sang paro dharmo, yito bhaktir adhoksaje, ahai tukya prati hata, yadma suprasidati. Again, he, these, uh, verse five, and again here in verse six, the last line, verse five, the last line was, yenatma suprasidati. And here, yeyatma suprasidati. The same thing, yena is masculine because it referred to a, a question. And here, yaya is feminine because it refers to the word bhakti. So yaya or jaina is the same word, but atma suprasidati, by which the soul is well pleased. So this verse says, that indeed, savai, that indeed, pung song for people, paro dharma is the highest duty. That indeed for people is the highest duty. That's literally what it means. Savai pung song paro dharma, yato, that from which, Bhakti adhoksaja uh, arises devotion, bhakti for adhoksaja, Krishna. And of course, this word adhoksaja, adha means down, and um, and aksha it means the eyes, or more generally the senses, because the eyes are very prominent among the senses. Therefore, aksha can mean the eyes or vision, or can simply mean the senses. And then uh, ja is born. So aksha ja, literally born of the senses. And so it refers to empirical knowledge or just experience, which comes from the senses. Experience, which is born of uh, your senses. And that experience, that knowledge, which simply comes from the senses, adho, it is it goes down, it must submit to the Lord. And therefore, Krishna is called adhoksaja. That's the uh, sacred etymology of that word. So that indeed for people is the highest dharma, the highest duty, that from which there is bhakti for Krishna, adhoksaja. But that bhakti must be ahaituki. So I'm going to explain this. Ahaituki is... Translated here, causeless. End of the verse, Prabhupada says, devotional service must be, and Prabhupada translates it here. And that's what I wanted to say, unmotivated. Because hetu, hetu in Sanskrit means a cause, but hetu also means a, uh, a mental cause, which in English is called a motive, un motivo, a motive. A motive is just a mental cause. And so, uh, hetu can mean that motive, and therefore from that which has a motive is called haituka from the word hetu, 
And because here we're talking about bhakti, which is a feminine word, you get the word haituki, feminine, having a motive, and then a haituki, having no motive. So that's what a haituki bhakti means. It means bhakti, which does not have a hitu, a material motive. So when our devotion to Krishna is a haituki, it has no material motive, and it is a pratihata. It cannot be counteracted or, or it's uninterrupted, unbroken. Hatta means uh, broken or struck down. And uh, a pratihata, it cannot be broken, it cannot be interrupted, it cannot be struck down. So that kind of bhakti, which cannot be stopped, because even if one is in a difficult situation, then in your mind, you remember Krishna and you offer yourself to Krishna. So as long as you are conscious, nothing can stop bhakti if you have it. So that bhakti, which is ahaituki and a pratihata, yaya, by that bhakti, atma suprasiditi, the soul is well pleased. Where Prabhupada puts it here, completely satisfied. So, I will stop there uh, at verse 6, and next Sunday, hopefully, we'll all still be on this planet, and then we'll hear uh, the next day. Oh, today is Father's Day. Krishna Priya just reminded me that it's Father's Day. So, uh, Krishna, of course, is the Supreme Father. Three times in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is mentioned as father. Twice, Krishna says that, for example, he says, Ahang bija uh, pradak pita, I am the seed-giving father. Krishna also says, Pitaham asya jagato, I am the father of this universe. And um, and then Arjuna says, Pitasi lokasya characharasya, you are the father of this, uh, of this universe, of this entire universe. So three times in the Gita, Krishna is described as father, therefore it's Krishna day, Father's day is Krishna day. And all fathers in this world, spiritual fathers or material fathers, are or are supposed to be representatives of Krishna. So this is a day not only to honor fathers, but it's a day for fathers themselves to remember that they should represent the Supreme Father, who is Krishna. And to the extent that a father represents Krishna, to that extent his father has perfectly done his duty. So, thank you all very much for listening, and uh, I hope to see you all again next Sunday. Hare Krishna.